yes, it was a mess. I wasn't happy with what I put out, but I had a good time. Don't you think it's important that the diner should have a good time too? I I, I know. I knew my dishes were going south. At that point, it really wouldn't help the diners if I was in a bad mood. Everything is cloak and dagger. That was kind of crazy. You do a challenge, you get into a van, and then you go to some secret space, right? Because it was like on, off, on, off. And I imagine it's isolating, too. It's very isolating. Because you're allowed to really talk to anyone while you're in the competition. No, you're sequestered. You are 100% sequestered. I talked to my husband twice during that time. That was not fun. And when people even come up to me like, oh, it's not Jeff fun. Oh, it's so great. I love to watch it. I'm like, it's not fun. You know, you just like seeing people suffer. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of it. Doesn't matter how badly you got beaten down. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go for that. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. That was Top Chef alum Carla Hall. She started as an accountant, became a model, then started selling food to colleagues. That would soon lead her to the murky waters of reality TV. She became a TV personality, Food Network judge, children's book author, actress, and so much more. But before she became any of these, Carla was like a lot of other 20-somethings, unsure about what to do with her life and terrified of failure. She was stuck in a rut, but then she started saying yes, an adventure followed. So when I was working at the accounting firm, hating my job, I mean, like hating it, stressful. It was taking so much of my time. There were some girls who were going to France and they said, oh, I'm going, they were in Tampa. They were like, oh, we're going to go to France. And, and I was hating my job. And I was like, oh, I know, we, oui, we, oui, I want to go too. And so I thought it was a great opportunity to quit my job as one would do. Just like that. Was that was that hard to to quit or was it super easy? Like, were you worried about stability or money or anything like that? I should have been. I should have been. I should have been worried about all of those things, but I wasn't. And I think I said I am quitting because I don't like my job. And my grandmother had said it is your job to be happy, not to be rich. And two weeks later, I tendered my resignation. And so... What was Paris like? I was expecting it not to be accounting. I had very low. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy expectation to match. So I knew I was going to be in another country. I had taken um, two weeks of French and I'd had 10 words that I was going. Everything you need. <laughs> everything I needed, you know, right? You know, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. I, I mean, I had very little knowledge of the modeling world, but I just, I had to do something. So for me, I didn't know what I was moving toward. It was just moving away from the thing that I knew I didn't want to do. And I think that's just as important sometimes to, to know what you don't want to do. Or finding out what you don't love is almost as important as finding out what you do love. Forget where, where I heard this, but it's like creativity loves constraints where you want to put parameters into your life where you know what your no's are because it makes finding yeses that much easier. And so as you're, I guess, adapting to this uh, France situation, where are you 
like like are are you looking for work or are you just purely enjoying yourself? No, I was, like, how I was this... looking for work and I was told, you know, through the friend of a friend of a friend that I was supposed that I needed to go during the season. And and I'm learning all of this along the way. I'm learning when the ready to wear season is, when the high fashion seasons are. I mean, so that's when people go to certain cities. So I am on the job learning. And uh, I had to get pictures. I mean, up to this point, I had photos, but they were photos from Tampa, Florida. I am now in France. Those photos, I was laughed out of the room with those photos. Learning all of those things before I even went to find an agency. And then I learned that I had to find an agency before I could even go to get a job. So finding an oh agency. God, so many steps. Right. So many freaking steps that I didn't know. So I was at the very beginning of all of that. What was it like when you actually got something? So I got it and I got an agency. I finally, I was going from place to place. I finally got an agency. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. The thing that I remember is, you know, getting to the end and waiting to see if you got the job. And everybody was small. When I say they were so small, they would literally measure your hips. They would whip out the measuring tape. Really? Yeah. 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 Wow. That sounds intense. It was intense. I, I, I love this transition uh, because I think it's not, not necessarily in the vein that you're in today. I mean, kind of like you're kind of in entertainment, you're in food, but modeling seems completely different. But I, I think what a lot of people don't realize is getting into a life that you like is more about just being okay with a little bit of discomfort and a little bit of not knowing what's going to happen next. I feel like you took that to the extreme. You went, let's go to a country where I don't know anyone. I don't know the language. I don't know what I'm going to do for work, but I'm just going to figure it out. And I think putting yourself into those kinds of situations is what allows you to then create businesses and, and go on TV and do all these other kind of things that are also super uncomfortable. And also just a little note, I, um, I kind of did a similar thing. I'm in, I'm in Mexico right now, uh, living here for a month. Nice. Like, oh, can I, can I work from somewhere else and, uh, and actually like, you know, do interviews over here and, and, and like, like test my, my broken Spanish and it's working out so well, like pretty well so far. So nice. uh, test those limits. Yeah. It's super fun, but I kind of want to go into your top chef competition days and then that transitioning into actually creating a business, um, and what that was like for you. So when I, when I was doing Top Chef, I was, I was also catering. And so I applied based on a woman who was the president of an organization that I was in. And she had given the producers my name because they were looking for female chefs. Then when, when I got on Top Chef, it was, it was surreal because everything was like cloak and dagger when you, when you go on the show. And I thought, here we are, you know, standing around and nobody can talk to anybody. But then when you're on set, I'm thinking there's going to be some kind of a reception. No, you, you know, it's a shoot day. So we're like, okay, we're getting ready to do a challenge. And I saw Tom Colicchio. I'm like, oh my gosh. Hi, Tom. But no, it wasn't like that. Yes, it was a mess. I wasn't happy with what I put out but I had a good time. Don't you think it's important that the diner should have a good time too? I know, I, I know. I knew my dishes were going south. At that point, it really wouldn't help the diners if I was in a bad mood. So being in that pressure cooker of actually 
knowing that the time is real and, and being shuttled, you do a challenge, you get into a van and then you go to some secret space, right? Everything is cloak and dagger. That was kind of crazy because it was like on, off, on, off. And I imagine it's isolating too. It's very isolating. you're not allowed to really talk to anyone while you're in the competition. No, you're sequestered. You are 100% sequestered. I talked to my husband twice during that time. So that is why a lot of the contestants, they become very close because you're living together. And for good, bad, or indifferent, you are living together. And um, and you are away from home. So it's kind of like you're in, you know, the reserve or, you, you, you know, the Peace Corps. So when I went on to do Top Chef All-Stars, I didn't want to do it. I'm like, I, I hate competing. I don't want to compete. Because <laughs> the last experience was so intense. Like, why do it again, right? Oh, my gosh. 100%. I'm like, why would I do that to myself? <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> that was not fun. And when people even come up to me like, oh, was Top Chef fun? Oh, it's so great. I love to watch it. I'm like, it's not fun. You know, you just like seeing people <laughs> suffer. So when I did it the second time and I wasn't going to do it, I had several producers call me and say, you know, really consider doing it. Why don't you make it part of your business plan? And I was like, Oh, when I went on top chef, I said, well, when I come off this show, we need to have a business. And that's when I came up with the tiny cookies. I decided, I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start a cookie business. And I was hating the catering. I enjoy cookies. I, I love making them. I love eating them. And so my team and I turned that business around almost immediately. So our kitchen became just cookies. Like, so you're, you're doing all this development before you go on the show. And I imagine you don't have much interaction with what's going on during the show, right? Right. Same kind of isolation. So you come out of the show, you are free once more. Where is the state of your business? And then how are you, like, how does that lead up to the show launching and, uh, and whatever chaos or uh, beauty ensues? So that was one of the hardest things to do. You know, you're basically leaving your baby and I, you can't talk to the people. So you hope that the people that you left in charge are gonna treat it like their own business. My team was throwing everything you know, up against the wall. So we had too many SKUs. We had too many types of cookies and no efficiencies and everything. When I came back, it really was about streamlining the business and, and thinking That's through. stressful for you? Cause like, I'm just imagining you going from a very stressful situation and then you have like a quick breather and then wait, actually, no, not really. Cause then you have this business that you have to streamline. Right. It's stressful when people have your name, they know you have a business, so they start running toward your business. If you don't have the infrastructure in place, you know, you won't be able to, to successfully take on that business and turn it into something that's very profitable and that will actually grow to the thing that you really want it to do. So I, I brought in some people and, and in a rush and maybe they weren't the right people, we weren't the right fit. So I put somebody in charge whom I trust and I said, that is probably the best thing that I can do. And actually she did, she did a pretty good job, but it, it was incredibly stressful, but you know, we were doing it. And I was so glad I loved doing the cookies and they were tiny and they were bite size and it was big flavor, small bite. Our cookies were the size of sugar cubes. I had the, I was always thinking about the cookies when I was competing, you know, even during the, in one of the 
in one of the challenges, Cookie Monster came. Please meet your judges for this round. That's Cookie Monster in the middle. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got this. And I'm Perfect opportunity. <laughs> Perfect opportunity. What if there is a lesson that you brought away from that, the Top Chef Accelerator program in terms of, of business and entrepreneurship and just also finding things that you like to do, what would that lesson or those lessons be? The thing that I, that I learned was I cannot have the business depend on me. So it was a blessing that I had to step away, delegate, delegate, delegate. That was one of the biggest lessons. And to this very day, uh, I mean, I learned that lesson when I left to go on Top Chef and I'm like, you will have to own your mistakes. Something, something that I think I struggled with delegation, because like I, I have a, a, a team now, is uh, I was initially annoyed when I would delegate something and it wasn't 100% to my quality. And I think something I realized is like sometimes you might have to suffer a couple percentage bits of, of quality in order to free up your time so you can leverage your, your skill set somewhere within the business that's actually going to be more effective. And that can be super hard for perfectionists, uh, but also is necessary in creating a scalable business and uh, something that is sustainable. I mean, you've done a ton since uh, that Top Chef stuff. Uh, you created your own restaurant, you're a voiceover artist, but tell me about what you're working in now, what you're most excited for and what we can look to see in the future. Well, I, I think if someone asked me, like, how do you see success? I think success to me is having choices and deciding to do what I want to do and being able to say, no, I don't want to do that thing. I, I knew I wanted to do a children's book. So I was always looking at characters like what are these characters in the children's book and working on those. So Bubba, who is in Carla and the Christmas Cornbread, was a character that I had drawn. Every, I've been drawing them ever since I was in fifth grade. And so I say, Bubba is going to be a character in a children's book. And there he is, right? The last project that I'm super excited about, I'm, I will start to film Foodways, which is my new show. That's it's the one that, that I created. So that we'll start that in September and that'll be on, that'll be on Discovery Plus. With the upcoming production on her new show and the November 2nd release of her new book, Carla and the Christmas Cornbread, it's safe to say that Carla is still finding new ways to express herself creatively. Back in the time of three and a half inch floppy disks, Carla was afraid of failure, but that didn't hold her back. Once she quit accounting, Carla kept taking risks, always growing, aiming higher and challenging herself. Her mission was to be happy and she succeeded by unapologetically holding on to her dreams and discovering her yeses. Carla's winding journey led her to a place where life is full of possibilities, and now she has an abundance of choice. And I'm just, I'm just excited to say yes to every single opportunity. I can always say no. No is easy. It's the yes that's going to help you figure your life out. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lynn. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Matt Fernandez, Sophia Donner, Aaron Devereaux, Nicholas Guzman, Ashley Jimenez. Tomas Renteria, Nathan Tower, 
Callan Turnbull, Lauren Yamada, and Maura Lynch. Our outreach and research lead is Ankita Nambiar, with support from Miriam Arden, Sarah Hobson, Lisa Lett, Kenny Ong, Melody Sopani, Cherise Tan, and Marie Vaughn. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen, with support from Natalie Agnew, Abigail Azardia, Elise Caldwell, Harrison Duffy, Alexandra Huntalis Adams, Kylie McCreary, Beatrice Phillips, and Virna Seminario. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand, with support from Sohail Amatya, Tiffany Dang, Anna Rivelli, and Allison Wong. The video editing team is Eli Lawrence, with support from Melanie Mack and Linda Tapia. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.